Hello, and welcome to episode one of Anti-Folly. It's a podcast featuring Ethan Sampson and myself, Sam Connington. Glad to be here. Glad to be here as well. It's uh, currently 1028, and I'm planning on getting up at like 7 o'clock tomorrow, so we'll see how Amen. this goes. Amen, indeed. Um, just like a little bit explaining the podcast itself, um, folly is a theme throughout the Bible. Not that that's the theme of the Bible. It's very much an anti-theme of the Bible, mm. but... There's this idea that like, you know, non-Christians and even Christians like pursue folly. So I think, you know, I feel like that's a great thing to aim for. I mean, we're here, we're going to try to have conversations about difficult subjects and kind of give hot takes and informed opinions. But at the end of the day, we want to, we want to be an anti-folly. We want to, we want to combat against this notion of folliness that I think we both see as very prevalent in society. Mm. Exactly. Um, I think that brings us to uh, the scripture that we're going to read before we start to dive into our first topic here. So uh, this is Proverbs twelve twenty three. It says, A prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaims folly. Hmm. Yeah, it's one of my favorites, I think. I mean, Proverbs has so many good verses, but like a lot mm-hmm. of it's all about like pursuing truth and like truth doesn't have to mean like, I mean, obviously it, very much means like a biblical truth, but like, it's also like, what is the truth outside of that sense? It's like, you know, is this policy stance, is that a truthful stance to have? Does it reflect mm-hmm. a Christian worldview? Um, and that, that really just slides, you know, straight into our, our actually topic for today, which, you know, we're just jumping right into the worms right now. It's going to be Biden's mask mandate and uh, its relation to Christianity, mm-hmm. which obviously it's not gonna be a full blown, like exploration to it, but like, Mm-hmm. We'll try to dibble and dabble and see if we can answer a few questions about it. Be pretty sick. Um, yeah. So, uh, to, to start, I mean, I pulled up uh, the New York Times. They had a guest op-ed by, uh, I think it's uh, Robbie so- Suave. No, Rob- Robbie Sove, which is, uh, he's uh, one of the chief editors of the Reason magazine, a quote-unquote libertarian think space <laughs> magazine, but like, <laughs> You know, I'm a part of the Mises, you know, caucus. So, like, I don't know if reasons, all that. But, like, yeah, no one's going to get that joke. But, like. Not even me. No. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even going to bother explaining it. Um, anyway, so, like, when it kind of flashing back to the, the mandate that was now a couple of days ago. Um, yeah. It's pretty just, like, objectively, you know, Biden's like, you have to get vaccinated. And he's mandating a vaccine. He's having a, a vaccine mandate for a significant portion of the population. I mean, in, in this, uh, Robbie cites that he says about 80 million people on the private sector portion of it, you know, that yeah. 100 or more people that are employed by a company, they, they have to get vaccine vaccinated or obviously they have to get like tested once a week, which mm-hmm. they're going to get fired. I mean, no, no company is going to want to have to give paid time off, you know, for, for testing for COVID and just get the jab. Um, I, th- I think it's just really interesting because it's like Biden like kind of ran on this idea that like, you know, we're going to, we're going to heighten up some of the the rules. We're going to have a mask mandate, you know, so stuff like that. But he was very, very early on. He was like, we're not going to do a vaccine mandate. And actually like after he was elected, Jen Psaki, and I have mm. it right here. It's, she said that, let me see if I can pull it up precisely what she said. Gosh, I can't. As soon as I, I should have, I definitely should have underlined it. Well, uh, 
even I would say the maybe the brilliance of mm-hmm. of this quote unquote mandate is that he he doesn't have to say that he's making a, a universal mandate that in that sense that that he's not well I'm not requiring everybody to no. do it I'm just requiring people that are working in environments with over 100 people because yeah. that, that could be a super spreader et cetera et cetera mm-hmm. so I see how that's maybe a valid a valid argument towards or a a great excuse you know yeah and it's like I think the vast majority of Americans are vaccinated at this point and I mean obviously mm-hmm. I believe like vaccines work for the most part I mean I think I'm not going to directly cite it but like I think I saw somewhere that like obviously getting it firsthand naturally is going to have more immunity but like a hundred percent I mean we were talking about this um, a couple of days ago like if you're like at risk you should definitely get the COVID yep. vaccine. I mean, yep. you should probably definitely wear masks, you know, despite how effective or not they might be. But like those people in the population should 100% get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. But then there's this question that arises. It's like, I need to get vaccinated because you're at risk. Mm. There's like this, yeah. this Otis upon myself that I need to do something in order to protect you. Now I might like as a Christian believe I, I should do that. But should government really tell me I should mm. do that? Is that the government's role to do that? And actually, Jen Psaki said that she didn't think it was. She said, um, let's see where it is. She said, this is, quote, in uh, reiterating Biden's position when he said, I wouldn't demand it to be mandatory for the vaccine. He, she said, uh, that's not the role of the federal government. Mm. And the director of the um, Center for Disease Control and Prevention, uh, Rochelle Walensky, uh, she said there will be no nationwide mandate. So there's a lot of people in the federal hmm. branch of the United States government that are they kind of silence like this fear mongering that we would, you know, require vaccines. Like who, who would do that? That's such a an abridgment against our civil rights and liberties, right? I mean, mm-hmm. bodily autonomy, right? Um, <laughs> well, and it's <laughs> totally even didn't happen. even the. You know, what does the Bible say about government and its role? Mm-hmm. And I think we see that a lot of people argue, like, one thing people love to argue about is the, um, it's Acts 4, talks about how all of the uh, these believers, they sold what they had and they gave to those who were in need and no one was in need. And that's an amazing situation. And you're like, oh, well, the government should make that happen. It's like, no, the the brilliant thing about that was that people saw a need and they met it themselves as individuals. Mm-hmm. And so actually the government played no role in that in the same way. I think this kind of leads us into a conversation about positive rights. Yeah. And the idea that just because it's beneficial, it's very beneficial to you that I get the vaccine that doesn't mean that it should be the government's job. That doesn't mean it's the government's job to make me mm-hmm. receive this vaccine because there are legitimate reasons for me to not get the vaccine. Yeah. For someone to get not get the vaccine. That could actually be dangerous to them. Yeah. And you, even if there's not a legitimate reason. Exactly. It shouldn't matter. You mean I could just mm-hmm. like simply not care about like someone's grandma? Like that's horrible. I totally don't say that you know what i mean yeah but like theoretically let's say like i'm like i really don't care if your grandma dies of covid that should be enough 
of a like a statement like grandma should go and get the vaccine grandma should go mask up grandma should take herself out of society mm-hmm. i shouldn't be required to get a vaccine i should be able to have that awful disgusting opinion and mm-hmm. and not be required by government to get injected you know and it's society's i would say it's more society's job not the government's mm-hmm. job to let you know that you're a dirt bag and 100 <laughs> percent, they will let you know you're dirt bag Oh, Just they look at will. Twitter. I mean, like, yeah, exactly. I will be with right with them. You're a dirtbag for doing that, but <laughs> it's kind of it's insane. And I'm really glad he touched on like the positive right aspect when you're talking about that because like 100 percent, it's like Christianity doesn't doesn't really, you know, like some people are like, oh, Jesus was a socialist. Like, no, he wasn't. <laughs> Each man should have his own fig tree. All all that stuff. It's mm-hmm. like Jesus came into a society that was like the Jewish society that was deeply rebelling against a Roman imperial authority that was subjugating them, you know? Mm-hmm. And he, the, the zealots wanted him to become this political figure that rebelled against the Romans and Jesus refused. And he always walked this fine line between, in a sense, a sense of like cultural rebellion and political rebellion. But he never once like instituted or recommended a specific form of government if anything, he actually talked against government that, you know, had somewhat of a far-reaching impact because in all of his, like, charity things, it's the emphasis on the individual. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very prevalent when you kind of look at how intertwined, like, the Pharisees were with the uh, R- Roman imperial authorities. It's like, here are these, like, legalists, right? These moral legalists. And they were equally, you know, not going to say in bed, but, like, very much so intertwined with the Roman authorities to the point where they essentially kept a vast portion of the Jewish populace, Jewish populace, you know, on intertwined and kept under order by the Roman oppressive state that was there. So it's like, I mean, yes, it's a Christian has this sort of duty to society, but at the same rate, Christianity doesn't then compel the government to force upon an individual that compel mm-hmm. that like that um compelling mm-hmm. interesting you know compelling so it's like i don't know just it's interesting no well, it is i mean that really made me think this is i think is a really cool section and mm-hmm. i want to do i want to do more more reading into this section just mm-hmm. to see is this something that historically christians have said is fulfilled already or something that christ is going to fulfill this is micah chapter four okay and it talks about, um, it just, this is the, like you said, uh, you know, their own fig trees. If you've ever seen, have you seen Hamilton, the the play? I've seen parts of it. Okay. There's, I there's try to a, distance myself from like the fan base. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I just. <laughs> it can be a little extra sometimes. They can't. I mean, it's a fantastic musical though. Anyways, what were you saying? It's super good. There's, there's a scene where basically Hamilton has written he has written a speech for George Washington and they're slowly kind of walking in different directions across the stage as it switches from Hamilton being the writer and writing it down to George Washington speaking it. I'm pretty sure this is the right scene, but he talks about how, um, you know, he's like, I want to sit under my own vine and fig tree Mm. and not be afraid. And we'll be safe in this country that we've made, which is he's, not what this verse is talking about as far as I understand. But it's talking about, it's talking about, it says Micah 4.1, and it shall come to pass in the latter days 
that on the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and it shall be lifted up above the hills, and the people shall flow to it. And many of the nations will come, etc., etc. Um, he shall judge between many peoples, and he shall, this is, I'm assuming he's talking about the Messiah, mm-hmm. shall decide disputes for, for strong nations far away, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. But they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. It's like, no war. Mm-hmm. They take all of their, the take the means of war and turn them into something to grow and cultivate the earth. And... I just think that this is just a, this is a very kind of off topic, but it's yeah. like when people talk about private property, mm-hmm. his vine, his fig tree, yeah. it's talking about individuals owning vines and owning fig trees, even though they're gods. And so I'm like, well, if this is to be fulfilled, mm-hmm. then it's like this beautiful thing, you know? Do, is it, do you think the verse is like talking about heaven in a sense or like... Yeah, I think when we're talking about, well, you know, so that's delving into, you know, heaven isn't just this city of gold and raw spirits. It's like we're living together with all peoples from all tribes, all nations, all tongues. We're worshiping the Father and we're glorifying the Son and the Spirit is uniting us all. And we, I would say, we're working we're doing the things that God made us to do, the mm-hmm. things that glorify him. Yeah. And we're the things that Adam was commanded to do to take care of the garden, mm-hmm. to maintain it, like all those things glorify God. And so that's kind of in my eyes what that looks like. But obviously I'm sure there's so much to unpack commentary there. and et cetera yeah. on that passage, but just the idea that also just that we have some liberties and some freedoms, even in the situation, it's like, you get to sit under your own vine and fig tree mm-hmm. and it's yours. It's yours. It's not, you know, not you can it. share it with others, mm-hmm. but you, you aren't required to. You get to choose whether or not you share that mm-hmm. fig tree. I think that's, that's a good point. I mean, I definitely like see there's like other verses that like heaven isn't, it's like kind of like a classless place. You know, it doesn't really look a lot like earth, even though it's going to be in, on earth, obviously. Yeah. But it's like, at the end of the day, it's like all of these systems we've put in place and like the style of government, these are all like, this is the worst case scenario. You know, mm-hmm. it's like America, it's founding. That was the worst case scenario because everything past the fall of man, you know, we're just trying to put bandages on it. We're trying to yep. temporarily fix this problem, you know. Actually, I shouldn't even say bandages. Bandages help something heal. Like, we're not helping anything heal. The only thing that can heal the falling nature of mankind is, is mm. Jesus and it's God. Yep. You know, which is the same person, by the way. Um. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> well, it's it's this, I think we've, especially the last year or so, we've really made a, a mistake to think that, as Christians, we've made a mistake to think that policies mm-hmm. are going to solve the issues that we see. Because it's not the changing of the outside of our, the way our, func- 
our society functions, that is not the issue. The issue is wicked human hearts. Mm. And so I was really, really, and I've said this many times to, to people that I know, that I was really sad, especially just like with the church, in the ways that they, in the ways that they turned away from the preaching of the gospel during COVID mm-hmm. and they started to go to other things, go to politics, talk about other, other issues, talk about George Floyd, talk about those things. Mm-hmm. It's good to understand and understand when you're in a cultural moment, but at the same time, the thing that changes, the thing that's going to destroy racism, the thing that's going to destroy abortion, all of these things, it's Christ and his rule. And it's him putting those things under his feet at mm-hmm. the end of, at the end of days that like, I'm not worried that there's going to be a racism, racism mm-hmm. in this, in this utopia, this beautiful place. And at the, and in the same, in the same breath, I'm not worried that there's going to be abortion. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried that there's going to be murder. Like those aren't going to be, I mean, anything to yeah. worry about. So it's like, obviously like we should always be progressively like pursuing something that could imitate that eventually coming to like perfection, you know, mm. the, the prior to the fall of man, you know, heaven perfection, everything's like perfect, but we can never actually fully achieve that. And that's why there's these limitations on, you know, this idea of like liberty in a Christian sense. And I'm not talking about Christian liberty, but I'm talking about this idea mm-hmm. that there are certain like limitations on government, on policy, on, on all of these things that in a perfect world, we could actually enforce maybe that. Like in a perfect world, may, like obviously COVID's not going to exist in heaven, but like in a perfect world, there might actually, it might be necessary, you know, and it might be perfectly enforced to have like a vaccine mandate, mm. you know, maybe, but we don't live in that world. And there's all of these different placements in, in place to kind of limit the authority of government. Mm-hmm. And as a Christian, I, I think anything that we can do to better the world and to like prevent the unnecessary suffering of mankind is something we should aim for. And I, I think the most fundamental and perfect place to begin mm-hmm. looking where you can begin to lessen the pains of the world is government. Yeah. Because government, yes, it's there, it's implemented, it's there to protect people but it so easily falls off of that there's a there's a psalm my brother sent me i can't think of it off the top of my head it was after the the capital riot and it was basically talking about how you know the magistrates rebel against the people they don't accurately represent the people blah 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 but the people rebel against it and and that's not necessarily good either I'm not, I'm not entirely sure I'm trying to go with this, but mm. we live in a fallen world and we're guided by fallen individuals. Exactly. Why would you want to give your liberties, your rights over that? I think that's the, you know, the distinction is yes. If God enacted a COVID mandate, mm-hmm. then it would be wholly good. It'd be wholly good. Cause there's, and, there'd be no way to abuse it and jab me up, jab me up because he's all knowing he can see the scenarios and he knows that regardless of my situation mm-hmm. or, or my health status, et cetera, that I will be fine to take that. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's a misunderstanding to think like, well, it's, it's really just 
I think, a loss. A loss of a lot of biblical values for what government's responsibility is. Mm-hmm. Like Deuteronomy talks about how the the king, the king is supposed to every day write the law because his job isn't to make new laws. His job is to enforce God's laws. Mm-hmm. But this isn't where, I mean, we're so far, so far could, past. Could you imagine like a situation? Like, like that. I remember like when Trump was president, like when he cut the tax code in half and it was still ridiculously gigantic. Yeah. Could you imagine like making like Biden, you know, the executive branch, he, someone who's in charge of like the execution of the law, you know, mm-hmm. him every day writing all the laws we have. Think about how many things he would go. That's yeah. a stupid law. Obviously, I'm sick of writing this uh, law. Obviously, every day. <laughs> obviously, society is complex, and there's a lot more people oh, than there were sure, during sure. biblical times and all that stuff. But there's also a lot of laws that are completely unnecessary, and I think people all over the aisle definitely mm-hmm. find common ground in certain laws. I mean, marijuana laws, I think, come to mind. You know, stuff like that, where it's just like, like, why? You know? Yep. And yeah, I just if anyone's like listening to this, which no one's listening to this, but let's just, you know, just play with the idea. And you're maybe coming from a perspective where you think, how could anyone possibly think, you know, they're a devout Christian, but also oppose Biden's va- vaccine mandate? Like, that's going to help people. I'm not. How are you loving your neighbor? How am I? Yeah. How am I loving my neighbor doing that? I would argue I'm, I'm loving my neighbor more because I care more about the principles than the temporary fix. And above all else, I, I think the individual, the individual can can garner all of this goodness. You know, just being unnecessary poetic with my words. The podcast, so. ah, it's fine. <laughs> the individual can go out and decide they want a vaccine, and, and actually, it's it's happening in droves. And the more that the the you know the science gets out, whatever mm-hmm. it is, more people are going to get it. Yep, and. At the end of the day, me helping my neighbor should be based around my personal decision rather than the government coming in and coercing me to make that decision, you mm-hmm. know? And I just ask, like, I can I can fully be in support of something that helps someone else while also not wanting government's dirty hands to try to force me into it. And I think, I mean, obviously the vaccine's, you know, effective, but it's like, I don't want to say like COVID is not that bad, but like, it's not like that bad. Like it, it's, yeah, it's the, definitely a pandemic, the, you know, and, yeah. and like compared to other things, I mean, like talk about like issues like abortion, which are far more objectively a Christian issue, you know, where there's not really a black or white. Like I know not to get like in hot waters, but like, I know it's the school podcast recently. And one of the professors got up and was like, yeah, you can be Christian and like pro choice, you know, it's just, it's just a choice. I mean, like, it's it's pretty distinctly like a biblical precept that life begins in the womb and therefore it's a life therefore you can't kill it blah 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 like there's mm-hmm. not really a middle ground in that yeah I completely forgot where i was going but well, like just to pick up off it mm-hmm. this is kind of worse maybe even skirting around this with texas mm-hmm. and the situation there just hearing these things from from different people where it's like the, all, the only question you have to ask somebody Mm-hmm. If they can think logically, is how many hearts do you have as a woman? You yeah. have one heart. You have one heart. Mm-hmm. You have ten fingers, not twenty. 
you have 10 toes, not 20. So the idea that it's your body and it's your choice is completely absurd because you're dealing with someone else's body. You're dealing with someone else's body. That has no choice to be inside of your body. Let's just remember. The they, most they, innocent. They, they have no choice. Yep. The most innocent. Yeah, exactly. So just that, just that with that going on, I think it is, I'm looking for the word. This might be an incorrect usage of this word, but it is antithetical. Mm-hmm. It is too, it is complete. You, you can't put the words, in my mind, you can't put the words pro-choice and Christian together. Absolutely not. Because at the end of the day, if, you've, if, if you're not being convicted mm-hmm. by, by the murder of babies, then, then there's something going on. And it, and the thing that's going on is that you probably aren't a Christian. Like if you yeah. know Jesus, if you know, if you are really seeking justice, mm-hmm. if you're really seeking to protect the innocent, then this is by far a more important issue than anything that I think we will see in our entire lives. No, like this will be. This is that's the issue, and I, I definitely want to like touch in that mm-hmm. on an individual podcast for sure. Yeah, but yeah, I mean. I guess going on that point that you're talking about, like I was kind of getting to it. It was like, yeah, a lot of times not to like lump people into groups, but like to lump people into groups, (laughs) (laughs) a lot of people that are like most fervently in support of a vaccine mandate, which by the way, it's not in writing right now. We talked about it before. It's not in writing yet. So who knows? And it's probably, it, it, hopefully it doesn't actually get put into place. That's the legislative. Don't don't waste your time writing something that's completely unconstitutional. No, for sure. I mean, just a waste of ink. Wait, waste of ink, 100%. Uh, but like the same, oftentimes the same people that are so fervently, you know, for this vaccine mandate are the same people that are, you know, pro-choice. And they use the arguments, you know, bodily autonomy. Mm-hmm. You can't have bodily autonomy to kill something else, you know? There's a human being, scientifically speaking, inside of your body that is not choosing to be inside of your body. It is there because of science. And that individual suddenly loses all their rights to being inside of you, which they didn't choose because you decide that you want to have bodily autonomy to the extreme extent that you can kill another living human being. Those same people are telling me I need to get vaccinated because of the minority of individuals who have pre-existing health conditions that are more affected and more at risk for COVID-19 when that individual with their bodily autonomy can personally Mm. take steps and make decisions about where they go. If they get the vaccine, all of these things, Mm -hmm. they have that choice, but I lose the bodily autonomy and get forced by government's dirty hands to stick a needle into my body, whether or not I want. And you can argue, Mm -hmm. you know, you're not being forced. There's, options well your option is an option of coercion there's you know i can work for the government or i i just i get vaccinated they're probably gonna lay me off because i get tested once a week and you know that's totally like that's that's a lot of lost revenue yeah actually i take that back if you're a government employee not really much of a concern about lost revenue more (laughs) so applies to the private sector 
but yeah. I mean, I'm sure they'd find a reason to fire you in the you know public sector as well. But well, I think like, here's the question: is mm-hmm. if you don't get vaccinated, does that make you a murderer then? I mean, just being logically consistent with, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because you're, you are going in, like you are just completely <laughs> denying somebody this, this positive, right? Well, there's, in a sense, in a sense, you're denying. So you're being subjected in a sense, positive, positive right doesn't really translate over to direct your right to life because sure. suddenly protest people have this amazing classical like sense of fear for the right to life of you know at-risk people mm-hmm. but they don't translate that over to like babies but anyways Fuck, yeah. <laughs> yeah but like that's i mean that's the sad thing is it's mm-hmm. like there's only one can in my mind and i think in anyone's mind you know there's only one consistent path to take with, with those situations and yeah. the funny thing is it's like well oh like you you are against abortion but you're pro the death penalty no way how could that how is that logically consistent you and think, you're like well you hmm. think babies should be able to live but serial killers deserve death that doesn't make any sense because don't you care about <laughs> life aren't you pro mm-hmm. life yeah. and it's like the baby hasn't done anything. The no. other person has killed somebody mm-hmm. or has done such and such a crime. Like who who is more deserving? Yeah. Like you don't have to agree, but it's like who is more deserving? Exactly. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I think something pretty comparable to abortion is kind of the subject of slavery, obviously. I'm not going down another rabbit hole, but kind of on the way uh, on the way here, well actually we did a test run and on the way to that test run um kind of was talking about biden and the mandate and the idea of the mandate and kind of overstretching overruling government actions from the federal level and basically said like mandates and executive actions they need to necessitate a direct need and they need to do something that is massive in influence and something that really ideally should benefit everyone you know so in a sense like kind of just looking from a historical perspective it's like biden's a lot like abraham lincoln right you know they're both white and they were presidents you know but also abraham lincoln you know he did a lot of good stuff with his powers and in a sense biden has done some good but biden's a lot like abraham lincoln in the sense but Biden's a lot like Abraham Lincoln, but instead of, you know, freeing black people, he's enslaving the entire country. He's using his massive executive powers to go ahead and enforce positive rights to enforce, you know, I have a right to something that you give me. You have to make that cake for me. You have to get vaccinated for me, not for yourself. It's not protecting you for yourself. I'm going to use coercion and government authority to force you to do something on my behalf that benefits me whether or not you want to do it or not Mm. abraham lincoln you know not he wasn't an abolitionist but i think we can all agree that he you know emancipation proclamation he greatly impacted state rights if you kind of talk about um oh crap i'm kind of escaping my mind um it was a lake in minnesota that they 
they renamed in Minneapolis. Dan McScar. Oh. Oh, what's his I name? I remember now. Basically, what was his name? Let me just look this up real quick. Just for your own conscience. Lake, okay, Lake Calhoun. Okay. Oh, anyways, yes, Lake Calhoun. Calhoun. Yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. have this like crazy racist, but also kind of interesting Republican, not Republican as in the party, but like the ideology mm-hmm. view of Republicanism and state rights and all this stuff. Obviously, state rights, state right to what? To have, you know, enslaving people. So not really right. It's, yeah. You know. Well, that's, what that, is that doing? That's violating the right, you know, of individuals. Individuals, 100%. To their bodily autonomy. In some cases, I mean, in some actually cases. in all cases, because you're getting labor without consent from them, yep. you know. But anyways, to kind of kind of wrap it up, like, Abraham Lincoln, in, like, put in place martial law. He essentially, like, went past a lot of constitutional barriers that were in place regarding, like, state rights to slavery and, and things like that, even though slavery wasn't necessarily directly like promoted or denied within the constitution mm-hmm. but abraham lincoln went about bypassing court systems putting in place martial law and forcing states to you know ban slavery to rejoin the union he did all these things biden's doing essentially the same thing but he's doing it to require people to do things on behalf of other individuals in a way that doesn't really benefit anyone. And in a sense, I think that's like really scary. Mm. Like these executive actions, they should, if they're going to violate, you know, personal liberty, your bodily autonomy, all these really important things about rights that as a classical liberal society, we, we, we used to value, they should go about actually influencing things on a large level. And I, I don't think the vaccine is really going to do a ton of a difference. It's going to do some difference, but I don't think it's going to do enough of a difference that would necessitate requiring by government brute force for someone to get vaccinated. And I think that's just where I'll end things. Yeah. Obviously if like people disagree, you know, we wouldn't have people on the podcast talk with people that radically think differently. Yes. Do you think something we said was absolutely despicable you want to spit in our face? I mean, don't spit in our face, obviously. Like, if you do, I would massively grossed out. Might get COVID, so. Might get COVID, you know, again. But, yeah, our, our, heart is, our heart is that we would have more conversation, more dialogue. Mm. And I know me and Sam both feel this way, that, that that is a super, super important part of our society that has really been lost, is, mm. that, is that we can have a conversation and we can have some disagreement, but we can seek to understand the other. And through that, that we would kind of soften each other's edges a little bit and that we would know that we're talking to humans Mm. that like, I have to be willing to say this to a human being and they, for some, they have reasons for why they, they believe something and to push against those things. So we're trying to pursue truth here. You know, we're getting in college education. We're trying to interact with people who think radically different from you. And in a sense, we all adhere to this sort of like Christian value system. You know, at the end of the day, I believe you might, you're probably Christian. At the end of the day, you believe I'm probably Christian. And we can have this disagreement and we can discuss it. And we can dialogue and we can get to the root of it because we're pursuing truth. 
not folly. And this has been episode one of Anti-Folly. Thanks for watching.